0: Welcome back to Harmonize Your Life, Conversations on Self-Care for Women of Color podcast with your host, Dr. Tony G. Alvarado. I am so excited about this season. Season five of our podcast begins with the month of September, October, and November. You all know we are on for three months and then we're off one month so we can uh, creatively prepare for the next season. And I'm super excited because I'm also coming off of a two month sabbatical. Yes, I've been on sabbatical for the month of July and August. And I hope that you have enjoyed and gotten caught up on all of the podcast episodes that you have missed during our season break and during my sabbatical season. And so I'm coming back refreshed, renewed, and ready for more Uh, conversations to bring to you more information more inspiration more uh, self-care strategies hopefully you will learn something hopefully you will grow and you will learn to practice better self-care health and wellness for yourself for your family for your community and everybody that is connected to you listen I am excited about our guest. That's going to kick us off this month. Um, I will bring her into the studio in just a moment. I'll introduce you to her properly, but I want you to uh, get uh, get yourself ready for another empowering conversation on self care with Dr. Tony G. Alvarado. We'll be right back. Right. Well, I have in the podcast studio with me today, um, Dr. Sienna Leith. And I'm going to read her bio to you um, because I know that uh, once you hear a little bit about who she is, you will be very, 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 um, uh, it would intrigue you to stay tuned and to listen in on this uh, conversation. Dr. Sienna Leith is an assistant professor at the University of Virginia in the psychology department in the community area. She uses interdisciplinary approaches in education and psychology Mm. to understand and address issues related to the holistic development (laughs) of black girls and women in the context of families, schools, and communities. Specifically, her work focuses on how race and gender identity beliefs, uh, race and gender identity beliefs support psychological resilience among black girls and exploring the influence of discrimination and stigma in institutional contexts on the academic and psychological outcomes of racial ethnic minority students. Dr. Lee has four kids at home who remind her of the joy of the ordinary. (laughs) And so I, and listen, one of her four, she just, recently gave birth to about a month ago. Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I reached out to her and invited her on the podcast, she told me, well, I'll be just uh, getting settled in from having my my la- my little one. And so it, the timing worked out perfectly for her to be with us on today. I am so excited to have Dr. Sienna Lee in the podcast studio uh, with us today. I actually got to know her Through her work, through reading uh, uh, many of her articles, she has contributed to so many articles and writings on the on the subjects of race and gender, um, um, psychology and all of the the iterations of identity formation and how that how psychology and how, uh, as you read in her bio, as you heard in her bio, how uh, race, racism and racial identity play into our psychological Uh, formation. And so I am so glad I invited her on the show today because we're going to be talking about um, a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Um, It is actually one of the chapters in my book, Harmonize Your Life, A Journey Towards Self-Care, and it is called Overcoming the Superwoman Mm -hmm. Syndrome. And so today she and I are going to be talking about This whole idea of the strong Black woman and and, um, this idea of the burden of strength that we carry, all of those things that um, can be injurious to us as women of color. And so, Dr. Lee, Sienna, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: No, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And I just, I said, I realized I should have sent the the pronunciation. So it's Shauna, which is perfectly fine, but I wanted to make sure... That I mentioned. Correct me, no problem. And you know, I like to say people's name right, Shauna. It is Shauna. Yeah, my my dad's middle name is Sean, and he was hoping that his first child will be a boy. And uh, I was not, but I still they made me a junior by adding nut, you know, to the end of Sean. So oh,
0: so so it's Shauna. So Mm -hmm. I was calling it Sienna. Mm
1: -hmm. And don't worry, you were not the first. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm not the first. Okay, good. Well, I will (laughs) fix that right now, Dr. Shauna Lee. (laughs) <laughs> Y'all hear that? Let's fix that. Okay. Um, Thank you for being here with us today. Thanks for inviting me. I'm really excited. It's you great. know, as as I said, I got to know you through your work. We've not met face to face. You are the second of my podcast guests who um, well, really, you no, know, you're about the third or fourth of my podcast guests that I've met on social media or through the media, through your writing and uh, just following your work. And it has been a joy since I've been doing this podcast now. I started the podcast last year in 2020, in February 2020, right before uh, we knew we were in a pandemic. You know, yeah. we know that the pandemic started before February, but we didn't know we were in a pandemic. We weren't being told that. And so um, um so right before we shut down and everybody started having the shelter in place. I had already launched this podcast. And so I believe it came at the right time. Um, I do a lot of work in, um, first of all, I'm a pastor. That's my principal work. Um, um, so, and then I've, I'm. anybody that knows me knows how serious I am about the issues of health and wellness and self-care. Mm-hmm. and um, And in my own life, my own journey, I share a lot mm-hmm. about my own journey. I'm kind of a workout fanatic. I, Love exercising, and that kind of thing, and um, so I, I like to empower women around this whole issue of self-care, health, and wellness. And after starting the podcast, after starting the um, self-care network that that, that I lead, um, I also run a self-care retreat, and um, and um, and so all of these things flow together. In what I what I do in this area of self health health and wellness and self care, I also recently went and uh, completed a certificate. Um, I'm also a coach trainer, coaching coach trainer, and I completed a certificate in health and wellness coaching, because I really 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 believe in holistic living. And I I practice it in my own life. And I like to empower our people, particularly women of color, around this issue. So when I ran, uh, read across your work, I was just so intrigued with your writing. And mm-hmm. particularly your article, How the Expectation of Strength mm-hmm. Harms Black Girls and Women. That was the article that really led me to following you and reading some of your work and your contribution, even in other um, um, academic um, journals and and, uh, writings. This whole idea of strength and Mm -hmm. um, the expectation of strength Mm -hmm. on us as women of color and how that harms us as black women and black girls. So talk to us a little bit about you your story why is this important to you
1: mm, okay um that my story that is that is something so i am i'm a first generation college student i'm originally from little rock arkansas in fact and interestingly enough i don't know if i thought about strength and re- taking it that far back but now that you've asked it that way i'm actually going to going to take it even back to high school and finishing and going up to college um, because i'd often got got this message from teachers and mentors and friends um this notion of like i needed to get out right and i needed to be the first in my family to like attend college and in order to do so i pushed myself really hard in school right and i was in ap classes and i was in ib classes and i was doing all the extracurriculars and i was in sports um and so i think even that expectation of strength and that expectation to be excellent um it can start early and it started early for me at least right so then i went to college um and that's where i was introduced to research and thinking about the black community from um Kind of a research perspective and knowing like learning that I could be a professor and learning how professors uh get, what degree they get and the types of different things you know you mm-hmm. do as a professor and so then I went to grad school I'm at the University of Michigan after finishing undergrad and that's where I really became involved in thinking more critically about black women and girls and thinking about our identity development and where we get the messages that help us just mm-hmm. kind of figure out who we are right and think through like what does it mean to be a black woman um, how do I think about myself in the world? How do I understand my social positioning um, in grad school? And then just a couple of years ago, um, about nine months before the pandemic hit, so that has been an interesting transition. I started my first uh, my first position as a professor at the University of Virginia, which is where I'm at now, in the psychology area. And since then, this work has taken off so much. So it's so funny because the article that you mentioned, I wrote that um, when I was first getting started out here, and I was you know just launching my own independent kind of data collections and thinking about, you know, what kind of questions do I really want to look at? What do I want to talk about with Black women and girls? What do I want to examine now that I'm a faculty member and I have more independence? And I was really interested in this notion of strength and kind of our, again, our constructions around who we are as Black women and how Black girls are socialized, again, to kind of take a mantle. And I think, you know, I mentioned even in that piece, strength is, is definitely spun as a positive there's like a historical connotation to black women being strong
0: mm-hmm. and black
1: women being the pillar of our communities in church, right. at home, in the workplace right. in educational right. settings as right. activists, right? Like black women have been so instrumental um, in social justice activism and just pushing um, kind of the like healthcare and other things for, for the black community and addressing injustices. But then thinking like, what does that look like in girlhood and how early does that start? And I think the other side of the coin of strength is kind of this toll on our physical, emotional and mental well-being, and really kind of thinking through like, how do young black women think about strength? Um, and that's kind of where, where that paper came out and some of the work that, that's going on in my lab. And, and since then we've even started, you know, doing work around like articulations of freedom and more explicitly thinking about what does wellness and what does well-being mean um, mm-hmm. to black college women? And how are we talking about this early on with black girls and how are black mothers modeling it for their daughters, for instance? Um, mm-hmm. yeah so I'll, I'll stop there
0: I love that and I love your approach um because when you say where did it start and you're right when we go when we look at girlhood we often want to because before we were women we were girls mm-hmm. right and so what happens oftentimes in our well what happens in childhood what is it uh and you're you probably have a better you can probably quote this better than me but um, it's. It was. It's. I've always heard that by the time we're like five or or whatever, mm-hmm. our who we are, the the core of our mm-hmm. our personality and all that is formed in our early childhood, right? Yeah. And so the messages that we receive from from little girl, um, the culture, family culture, you know, all those mm-hmm. kind of things play into who we become as adult women. And Mm -hmm. so if we're, so we have to go back. That's why I appreciate it the way you, you approached it. What is, what messages are girls receiving, our black girls, because they grow up, we grow up and become women. And, and we carry those messages in the way we mother, we carry those messages in um, the way we live our lives, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether or not we are modeling a holistic living or not, sometimes stems from what was modeled in front of us as, as, uh, as we were growing up. My daughter is, um, 18. Uh, I'm sorry. My daughter is 21. I don't know what that was. <laughs> my mom 21. does that too sometimes. She'll, she'll, be like... 20, uh, she'll be 22 and she just went off to college and I, re- mm-hmm. I went off to grad school, graduated, uh, Spelman college this year. Congrats. And, um, uh, Yeah. And and she just started grad school. And I sat with her the Sunday before we left to take her to school. She Mm -hmm. and I went to to dinner, just the two of us to talk. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I said to her was going into this program, I told her, if you get there Mm -hmm. and discover this is not the right program for you or you don't like being there, you can always come back home. And mm-hmm. not that I didn't believe that she can do it, not that mm-hmm. I didn't want her to do it, not that you know, of course, there was the mom, the mommy, and me didn't want to let her go. But I would never hold her back from mm-hmm. any opportunity. But what I was, the message that I was uh, wanting her to know was, mm-hmm. you don't have to go. You ain't, we're already proud of you, mm-hmm. and whether you, you don't have to become the number one this, the number one that, the first this, the first that. We love you no matter, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You are enough right now. Now, Mm -hmm. does that mean you should not go after other opportunities? Does that mean this isn't a good door for you? No, Mm -hmm. but I want her to know that if for some reason you get there and this ain't ain't feeling right or this is not what you feel like God Mm -hmm. is calling you to be or you
1: want to be, you can come back home Mm.
0: and it will be all right.
1: That's beautiful. And a couple of things that I, I want to pull out from that even is this notion that within the superwoman kind of syndrome, part of it is this this pressure to succeed, right? And this mm-hmm. intense desire. Um, a lot of times, you know, Black women, Black girls are very motivated in many cases, right? to To achieve in school, maybe, or to... Mm-hmm. In some places, we are still the first, which is, you know, a whole other conversation about how Black folks haven't been allowed in certain spaces. But mm-hmm. uh, a part of it is this this concern and this fear of failure or the sense that we're letting others down, letting our parents down, letting the community down. Um, and then the other parts of the superwoman schema. Some of it is this obligation to suppress emotions, the sense that, you know, maybe it sounds like you and your daughter were communicating very openly, which is great because she wouldn't have felt this pressure to not be able to say like, oh, I'm scared or, oh, I'm nervous or, oh, maybe this is too much or maybe this isn't what I was expecting, right, which can be really harmful when there's this, this sense that we're obligated to repress how we're feeling, especially if those emotions are uncomfortable um, or they're considered negative emotions like anger or disappointment or sadness mm-hmm. or depression, mm-hmm. right? -hmm. Uh, Which then also speaks to a piece of it is this resistance to being vulnerable. And some Mm -hmm. of that can stem from, you know, if Black women, if, say, say, for instance, as a young girl or as a young woman, you you did say like I'm scared of this or you hurt my feelings or I'm angry about this and then mm-hmm. in response to that vulnerability someone shut you out or they said something harmful or they said mm-hmm. oh you don't actually feel that way or oh there's no space for that or oh you need to just mm-hmm. toughen up which boys mm-hmm. get a lot more of the toughen up language but black women get it in particular ways too and black girls yeah we do that message mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, that you just you just need to be stronger you just need to soldier through you just need to you can take it mm-hmm. exactly right mm-hmm. so that's kind of how that message comes across that when you maybe repeatedly get those messages whether it's unintentionally or maybe you know parents that they're encouraging you to succeed because they want their children to be successful so it can even come from a very good place right this yeah. loving place of wanting your children to be financially stable and follow their dreams but i think that you know the part that taps into when it can become unhealthy or harmful is when you can't balance it with like oh i can still have these open relationships or maybe i can change my mind mm-hmm. or i can make mistakes and it's okay if i make a mistake and i have folks who support mm-hmm. me if i do um, and I think that, you know, that's part of why these conversations are still really important to kind of destigmatize mental health and to talk about yes. Black women and women of color's um, specific needs. And when you were even talking about girlhood, the last thing I want to kind of mention here, and then I'll pause, is this notion that Black girls are adultified, which, you know, specifically mm-hmm. um, refers. Say to fact- more about that. Black girls are adultified, adultified right? And oh, there's this. wow. There's this great open report that was done in 2017 that you can just Google, like Black girls and adultification. Um, It was done by Epstein and colleagues. And it talks about how from a young age, even as young as nine or 10, teachers and authority figures often perceive Black girls as being developmentally older than they actually are. And in response to perceiving them as older, whether due to their physical bodies or just because they have these particular stereotypes of Black girls, um, they expect too much from them. And when Black girls fail to live up to those expectations that are inappropriate developmentally, um, they might receive harsher punishments in school. They might receive messages that they need to be more independent. So they receive less support and less guidance from authority figures or for teachers. And we see this when we see rates of, for instance, like disciplinary, like suspensions, expulsions, which we know Black girls are at increased risk Mm -hmm. for unfair sanctions. And so just really thinking about, like, what does it mean for Black girls to have a childhood and to be perceived and treated as the children that they are? And how does that factor into mental health and thinking about our wellness into adulthood if, from a young age, we weren't allowed to just be children and to be free um, and to make these mistakes, right, and to openly express ourselves um, in different settings? So, I'm you know, I think one thing that's really...
0: I never thought about that, the adultification of black girls. I need to go and do more work research and reading on that, on that topic, because when I, as you were talking about it, I'm thinking about me, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm thinking about my sisters and uh, black girls in my church. I'm thinking about, you know, my nieces and cousins and, and you're right, it's so true. We are perceived to be older. Uh, or we we expected to be more mature. Yep. Um, you know, when I was five years old, my mom bought me a, a red step stool to reach the sink. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> and you know, no. and, and that would me, come on. It's the, you know, mom didn't she was that it was like you're the oldest. Mm-hmm. And I always heard that growing up, you're the oldest. So, yeah, you know. You, you need to, you know, you're responsible for everybody and this, that, and the other, and you're right. And I can mm-hmm. remember even as a child, sometimes feeling like I can't go outside and play because I need mm-hmm. to make sure, cause mom worked outside yep. of the home and my stepfather worked outside of the home and I was the oldest. And a lot of times we would actually keep kids, mm-hmm. we were home by ourselves. And because I was the oldest, I took a lot of the responsibility and, I, and I'm not saying that to say to to say anything ill of my parents, mm-hmm. but it was just our reality. Mm-hmm. It was our reality. And so we live into
1: those. Um, I don't know if you would say stereotypes or roles. I think it's roles. Right. And I think there is a particular gender is a part of that. Right. So you're saying like you were the oldest. You're also the oldest girl. So how often is that the case for the oldest girl if you have a girl in the family? Um, in terms of maybe having to be responsible for siblings or gendered expectations in our society about who does the cooking and who does the cleaning and the types right. of things we need to learn, right, as like little right. girls to be these women, mm-hmm. um, eventually who are running the household. And so, and I think the other point that's really great that you brought up in in my work, it's never to, to villainize or to say anything negative, for yeah. instance, about Black parents or the Black community, because a lot of these, you know, these stereotypes or this need for strength falls against a backdrop of black women being pushed out or not being allowed into spaces or, you know, Mm -hmm. if we take it back Mm -hmm. to the transatlantic slave trade and the notion of like black women being forced to care, for instance, for um, their enslaver's Mm -hmm. children or being forced to do all the domestic service, you know, in the 1950s because they weren't allowed to do other occupations. And so even your point about your parents working. That makes complete sense. I was a latchkey kid myself, right? And so thinking about, so who could that, who could the responsibility fall back yeah. on? And exactly. then did your parents have the bandwidth to say, like, oh, yeah, I needed you to do X, Y, and Z to take care of yeah. your siblings. But mm-hmm. then here, you can go, you know, be a kid in these other ways. And maybe that wasn't available. And it doesn't mean they didn't love you. They didn't do yeah. the best that they could, you know, and yeah. that they didn't have a wonderful childhood. But it may speak to this notion of, like, did you feel more responsible um, at a younger age? And how did you carry that forward into adulthood? And you know,
0: uh, my girlfriends and I were talking just um, just recently. Uh, my girl, I went on a girlfriend trip as I was closing mm-hmm. out my sabbatical,
1: <laughs>
0: and we were talking. And so we're on the way back. We were, we were. It was a road trip. We, we drove from Atlanta, mm-hmm. and so you know, of course, those kind of trips you get a you get, get a lot of conversation in, yep. right? Mm-hmm. When you're driving five hours in the car together, and so. We're riding, and so we were just talking. We were in South Carolina, so of course, you know, we went to Savannah, and so you know, all around us are are the reminders mm-hmm. of 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 slavery, the reminders of the slave trade, all of that, um, and our history of our of our people is so everywhere. You feel it even in the air when you go. I don't. You're from Arkansas, so you know, mm-hmm. it, you feel it. Right. Yep. And so yes. we were just talking about and my one of my girlfriends, she was saying how strong her grandmother was. And we were just talking about the women back then and the things that they took, you know, in relationships like with men, with husbands or whatever. Maybe their spouse had another family around the corner or a child outside of the marriage and they might have known about it. But, you know, and or they forgave and they kept on mm-hmm. those kind of things. And so she was talking about her grandmother one of the girls and how strong her grandmother was. And so, you know, I said, well, really, when you think about it, they what else were they going to do? Like mm-hmm. they didn't have the options that you and I have in terms of I'm going to leave. but where am I going? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And even even our even when you think about and this is not a pass for um uh, for for certain kind of behavior in our community but when you think about even some of our men our black mm-hmm. men the psychological impact of slavery mm-hmm. and the fact that they were being um uh, taken and and sold to be on somebody's plantation to make babies so to have the the idea that I'm going to be faithful to one woman or whatever the whole family dynamic when you're being taken from one part of the country to another part so you can produce mm-hmm. even children you know what i'm saying just think about that so our no, our mindset or our norms of what the family looks like some of that stuff is broken down because of the effects of slavery in this country that we're still feeling even today
1: there's a, a book, and I haven't I haven't read it myself. I've only seen excerpts, and so this is I say this with caveat that I've not re- fully read the book. Um, this notion of like post traumatic slave syndrome by Dr. Johnson Degruy Degruy G-R-U-Y. post traumatic post traumatic slave syndrome, syndrome. and oh, I think well, you know, I need to write that down. This is a book. It is a book, and I'll it was written, it I think in uh-huh. 2005, and then they revised it and released it again in 2017. But it, it starts mean, to get it. Some of these notions that you're bringing up about kind of the the after effects historically and currently um, for not only the enslavement um, of some of our ancestors, um, but also think about how does that factor play forward, even in terms of things of like parenting, for instance, or this notion that, you know, with some Black parents where they're like, oh, like maybe I'm spanking you or something to keep you out of jail or to keep you um, off of drugs or out of the streets or something and how that can tie over even tie back to this sense of like, I had to be harsh to actually keep my children alive because if not, then white supremacists would kill them back during the Jim Crow mm-hmm. era or mm-hmm. even now, right? And so I think mm-hmm. the book draws a lot of parallels. But in terms of thinking about strength, um, I'll kill you myself yeah.
0: before I lose you to the streets so or,
1: yeah, you know,
0: I'll kill you myself before I lose you to the police. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah I hear when you mentioned, like, you were sitting at the table with your daughter, and you told her, you know, you have, like, you can come back home. You have the choice to leave. I think that's even very freeing, right? This notion that, like, black women have options and they can choose not to, not to have to stay in the same situation. Um, and being able to, being able to have that can be very powerful. I think when you feel like yes. you have a support network, um, yeah,
0: yeah, that it's so important. It, it 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 really is. So when when we talk about you talk about in your article mm-hmm. the burden. Mm-hmm. You talk about you, you state in your article that um uh, black women are often described as super women, and we know yes. that this is typically meant uh as a compliment and received mm-hmm. positively when we're compared to other blatantly negative stereotypes about black women, like maybe yes. we're lazy or you know, obese or loud or whatever. Mm-hmm. So when we hear the strong black woman, we're often it's often Viewed and taken as a compliment, but you turn that prism upside down, and you say that that compliment can be injurious to us. Yes, and I ta- and I talked about that in my blog post in um in July, it was in the middle of all the the uh, Olympics, the Summer Olympics, mm-hmm. and yep. all of the okay. conversation around Simone Biles, mm-hmm. and when she decided that she she was not mentally. In this her space was not there to do this particular event mm-hmm. um a gymnastic event and the criticism that yes. she came under um and so I I that's when I really got introduced to your work and started mm-hmm. following your work because I started out in my response to that in my blog post uh superwoman is a myth I referenced you and some of your work in my blog post, but you, you say this um, and you really helped me understand that this is a we take it as a compliment, but it can be injurious in what ways.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Why is this harmful to and for us?
1: Yes. So when you I'm going to start with when you mentioned like the other negative stereotypes, again, we have stereotypes of black women like the Jezebel being hypersexual or the mm-hmm. Sapphire, like you mentioned, like the loud and angry and emasculating black woman. Um, or the mammy, like, the, you know, they just remove the image for Aunt Jemima off the pancake bottle, but that's kind of like the asexual mm-hmm. black woman who's large and darker skinned, you know, and not considered attractive, and she caters to like white women's uh, white families needs. Right. And so, as you mentioned, compared to that, the, the superwoman or the strong black woman, and we, we kind of see that in like Olivia Pope on scandal or how to get away with murder with Annalise Keating or Michelle Obama or Simone mm-hmm. Biles or Stacey Abrams, right. These, mm-hmm. these black women, either in media or in real life who we look up to and who are considered role models because they very much are, they're doing phenomenal things. They're incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it becomes injurious when it is too much, or when we expect them to to have superhuman strength. It's also a way that Black women and Black girls are dehumanized because they are not seen as simply human, as vulnerable. Uh-huh. They are not allowed to just be. And to Simone Biles' point, as you mentioned, there was there was so much support. Now I want to also shout that out because there were so many folks in the Black community outside who were like, Amen! Like take that time for yourself. Do yes, not injure yes. yourself. What yes. a way to model health, you know, and wellness for black girls and all these other folks who are looking up to you. But you're right. There was so much backlash about how she just couldn't take the pressure and how she was making excuses and how, you know, mental health is not a thing. And that is so unfortunate in the sense that she is already what one of the most decorated gymnasts or the most decorated gymnast, and that she could have literally ended her career or seriously physically hurt herself if she had decided I'm going to put myself on the back burner and continue, you know, to to do this to do this performance. And I think it was also this incredible moment where, again, she recognized and decided to act on the fact that she could make a different choice, even if she also continued to support her teammates, right? So there was also right. still this expectation of, like, looking at, well, how, how does Simone Biles acting after she decided to pull out? And they are like, well, she was still so graceful because she supported her teammates. And so there still wasn't space for her to maybe just disappear for a while, right? Just literally yeah. not even have to... And she chose not to. And then we also yeah. saw... Naomi Osaka, right? When she pulled out of some of the different tournaments in there and she was fined. And so it's that same instance where it's like Black women being penalized literally for taking care of themselves when there's expectation to know you all will perform and you will show up and you will complete this job and you will do this. And so I think, you know, there's there's a particular amount of privilege in Simone Biles and Naomi being able to say, I'm not doing this and I can afford the fine that I'm yeah. taking, you know, some black women in their daily lives. They can't just not go to work. They can't yeah. just not decide to follow yeah. through, but it was still these incredible examples of them making that choice and then being able to make that choice for themselves. And so, yeah.
0: yeah. And you know, one of, one of my um, sayings, or one of the things that I often say about self-care is that self-care is an act of resistance. Mm-hmm. And I saw what Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka did as acts of resistance in terms of, you know, this is my body. This is my mind, my mental health estate. You know what I'm saying? My Mm -hmm. health, my physical health, whatever. And to take that back from someone just, you can't tell me if I'm up to doing Mm -hmm. something. I tell you if I'm up to it. And so um, I see that as an um, as an act of resistance. This whole podcast that I'm doing is on self care, um, mm-hmm. um, Shauna. And um, so, how do you see self care, health and wellness, in us being able to overcome this superwoman syndrome? That's what we're talking about today. If you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Dr. Shauna Lee, and we're talking about this idea of the burden of strength that Black women carry, Mm -hmm. um, the expectation of strength for Black girls and Black Mm -hmm. women, how injurious uh, that can be to us psychologically, emotionally, and maybe even other implications like relationships Mm -hmm. and and otherwise, the way we live our lives or in the way we care for ourselves. So how can we overcome Hmm. Or what can be what are some things in your in your estimation, can't what are what are some things that we can do in helping ourselves and helping one another when it comes to this overcoming the superwoman syndrome?
1: I love that. I'm gonna give some different examples because I think, you know, it's never easy solutions. There's not a one size fit all, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, for instance, um, as a mom, with my, I have one girl, I have three boys, and with my daughter, like, I want to model emotional wellness, and so I'm very explicit with her, like, mom is feeling tired, or mom is feeling, you know, frustrated, or mom is feeling happy, or I'm going to do this because it feels good to me. Um, giving her options, like you mentioned with your daughter, where it's like, you can leave a situation, and having that those conversations very young, um, and taking her emotions um, seriously, and talking talking them through, and really working with her about checking with her body and checking with herself and learning how to make healthy choices, not only in terms of food, but in terms of moving her body and in terms of the friendships that she has and how she thinks Mm -hmm. about relationships. Right. So I think that's, you know, in thinking about parenting or in family dynamics more broadly, not just parenting, but when we're caring Mm -hmm. for um, black girls or for children. Um, I think in, in terms of overcoming in intimate relationships. So it's, it's so interesting because I think there's this notion sometimes where they're like, Oh, Black women just, they try to do it all and, you know, they they want to do the cooking and the cleaning and they want to, and for some women, they do. And that's perfectly fine. Like you decide how your household, you know, your relationships run. But the other side of that coin sometimes is that I think in some relationship dynamics, their partners aren't necessarily actually removing um, burdens or responsibilities from a Black woman or a woman of color, right? And so in that case, it's not necessarily that she wants to do everything. It is that she is left to do so many things that doesn't actually have the space to take time for herself. So, you know, maybe in your partnership, really examining, like, what all does she do? Let's talk about the emotional load. Let's talk about the physical load. Let's talk about cleaning and cooking. But also, is she managing, like, thinking through the household responsibilities or thinking through appointments and everything? And it's like, a lot. It is a lot. It and so a even lot. that, right, like, mm-hmm. are you actually partnering with her to remove some of that burden, Um I think in terms of even like for clinicians, for instance, recognizing kind of these cultural stereotypes where maybe black women are coming in and they're they're very high functioning and they're still going to work and doing all the things. But maybe they are depressed and having mm-hmm. um, the training and the wherewithal to recognize just because she is still mm-hmm. functioning does not mean that she does not need assistance in taking a step back and breathing and really focusing in again on like, yeah. how are you doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the other piece that I'll, I'll just mention this and then, you know, um. Part of it too, it's just, it's not just on Black women to be able to overcome the superwoman schema because we have to have more social safety net and we have to have more community support, right? So it can't be, you know, Black women aren't responsible for racism and sexism in the workplace. We're not responsible for our bosses mm-hmm. making us invisible or making us hyper visible or treating us mm-hmm. in these very, you know, racist and sexist ways. And so part, or for instance, Simone Biles being, you know, fined and Naomi being fined, like they didn't ask. For that they asked to take care of themselves and so the officials who were responsible and who did have the power to actually not find them and say you're right take time for yourself like we also have to have these structural changes where black women are then in the position to be able yes. to prioritize their health care yeah. without for instance um sacrificing their their financial well-being and their ability to pay bills um and have a job right so part of it is like let's focus on who like what you're doing in your daily life and then part of it is mm-hmm. also like we just need more societal support for black women to be able to prioritize and take care of themselves.
0: Yeah, that's good. And I want to add to Shauna, even um, um, structural societal systemic support, but then also putting ourselves in communities that are, that are concerned about our self-care. One of the reasons Mm -hmm. I started the self-care network was for women of color so we can have a safe space where we can yep. talk about these things. We can help one another with these things and support one another. We can give one another ideas, encourage one another. And so it's important that we put ourselves in, in community, mm-hmm. you know, a uh, uh, holistic communities. I would, I would say it like that. So that way, you know, we, that's part of that support, you know, yeah. and, and it and is so, it's so important. It is so so important, I am. I'm just so glad that. And you're a young, I don't <laughs> want to ask you your age on camera, but I know that's right. That no, I'm,
1: I'm 30, I am 30, just turned 30. gosh, yeah, this year, Lord. you just turned
0: 30. You know, just some women 30. don't like my age. I tell mine every year because I'm glad exactly. for every year, God give me, right? So, <laughs> I am 58, I just turned 58, so I'm old enough to be your mother, really. <laughs>
1: You're
0: right there. Yeah, I wouldn't say my mama's name. She didn't say I could. Right. And so, but yes, so Mm -hmm. for you, I wish, Mm -hmm. I'm 58, Mm -hmm. and I want to say this to you, Mm Shauna. I wish I knew at 30 where Mm -hmm. you are now, what you know. Mm -hmm. I wish that I knew how to care for myself at 30 years old. 20 years old, 18 years old, 10 years old. I didn't know, of course, because that wasn't what we talked about. That yeah. wasn't our reality. You know, no one was talking about mental health back then. Nobody was telling us that, you know, to take care of ourselves. Nobody was telling us it's okay. Right. You can't, you know what I'm saying? But I came into this realization through getting sick. Mm. I've been working myself to death in ministry, working my, you know, trying to be a wife, a mother. I remember when I was, when I first, when we first, um, the home we live in now is larger than, you know, I can care for this home by myself and work full time. And I remember when it was, it it was a struggle for me to hire someone to come in and help me. I thought that that meant I was lazy or that, uh, or that I might have been thinking I was better than somebody else Mm. or whatever. But the reality is, I can't do all this by myself, and and I didn't even realized I was stimulating somebody else's economy by letting <laughs> her come in here and help me. So, girl, when I got that revelation and got free, <laughs> so you, know, I mean, but but it took me getting sick.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm praying that there's not anyone listening to this mm. podcast today, watching us on YouTube or listening to us on Spotify, Google, Anchor, mm. wherever you're listening to this podcast podcast that you don't have to get sick before you recognize Mm. the importance that you are human Mm. you have human limitations and it's okay and you don't have to be good at everything and you don't have to be the best at everything and it's all right to delegate and it's okay to rest and it's okay to be sad and it's okay to grieve all those things i'm going back on um, this month, I'm, I'm, my sabbatical is over. I just lost my mom in May, mm-hmm. and part of my sabbatical was healing start to begin the healing process of caregiving and losing my mom. Mm-hmm. But I know that they're gonna, I'm not over it just because I'm mm-hmm. going back to work. I'm still grieving. Right. I st- I'm still gonna have days where I may not want to get out of bed, but. You know what I'm saying? I might be functioning, but I'm still grieving. <laughs> yep. And so, and it's okay. And I can cry
1: and and do what I need to do at the same time. You can. Right. It's there's um, there's this great book by Sonia Renee Taylor, and it's the body is not an apology, and it talks about this concept of radical self-love. Um, and the other thing, you know, in it it talks about how our bodies keep the score right it, the body mm-hmm. our bodies keep the score of us not Say the name care. again
0: of the book
1: Yeah it's The Body Is Not An Apology Okay and in oh, it wow. it talks about radical self-love but I think you know the other side of not taking care of ourselves is that you know our lives aren't as fulfilling or they are shorter they are literally shorter mm-hmm. and thinking about you know the mm-hmm. society we live in and thinking about capitalism and labor They will literally work us to death, right? And then replace us with someone else. And so really inherently believing that you are worth it, like you were telling your daughter, just because you exist, um, and that you deserve goodness and you deserve, you know, rest and pleasure and just finding out what makes you feel fulfilled in life, which can be your job and it can be the many things that you're doing. You mentioned, you know, you being in ministry and being a pastor, um, but also needing other things that, that include, you know, Uh, the exercise and being in community with others and finding and having you know those girls girls trips and things and so I just think you know that's such a great message this notion that part of it is really believing that you are worth it that it is worth taking care of yourself and then finding the ways hopefully within your means that you can do so which will vary you know for each woman um, what they can do in their own lives yeah and I love that you You said you hired someone Right, because there's there's this notion like we're not. I saw this quote somewhere and it was like we weren't put on this earth just to like clean and cook and work and die. No. And Like, man, if you can outsource, like outsource, and you know you're outsource. paying someone well to outsource, like, and you have other things that bring you listen, joy in your day in life, like go I, listen, ahead. I, there's an article.
0: There's an article called "The Obligations of of Housework." Mm-hmm. I, I came mm-hmm. across that article when I was working on my um. Graduate certificate in women's studies at UGA, okay. University of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And, and it talks about it in the article how women are wearing themselves out with housework when there are people that can help us with that. People mm-hmm. who are really engineers in their home that can come in and, and organize stuff <laughs> for you. And I was just talking to one of my girlfriends. She just moved and she said, I wish, she said, I would never do this this way again. She said, the next time I move, I'm paying mm-hmm. somebody to pack my house. I'm paying somebody to unpack me when I get to my <laughs> new house. I'm paying some. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Right. We wear ourselves out because we feel like we have to do it all. And we do not. There are people out here mm-hmm. who are gifted mm-hmm. at it, who are mm-hmm. better at it than we are. And like I said, you can stim- stim- help stimulate the economy for somebody else <laughs> by, you know, a- listen so (laughs) but you know it's just such a um a wonderful season of life that we're in that we're able to have these conversations because 15 20 years ago we weren't having these kind of conversations not amongst women of color now maybe our our white (laughs) sisters were having them you know they were hiring people and they were hiring us and and everything else (laughs) but we you know But we weren't having these conversations and we weren't living like this. And so I'm grateful that we have these opportunities to do so and that we can help other women. And even if you can't afford, quote unquote, to have someone come in your home and cook for you or whatever, you still don't have to do it all. I heard Mm -hmm. you say, have those critical conversations with your partner. Have those critical conversations with your children. You -hmm. know, I can't do everything. I told my husband one day recently, he said something, and it was a joke, but we both laughed so hard. He said something, I did something, and when, and he kind of was like, Honey, really? And I said, Look, I can't be great at everything. <laughs> Hello, good
1: enough is still good enough, okay? Like, it it is not to be perfection. <laughs> I live by I like good enough.
0: Look, and you know, and those messages that we, these songs, you know, you are not every woman. No, mm-hmm. I'm not every woman. It ain't all in me. <laughs> it's not, I'm it's not, not every woman and it's not all in me. And something else, I can't um, uh, bring home the bacon, mm-hmm. fry it up in the pan and never, never let, ever let him forget he's a man. Some days I can bring home the bacon, but I ain't frying it. <laughs> <laughs> and if I fry it, you might not know you are a man cause I ain't going there either. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, we have to budget energy, budget time yeah you know i talk about all those kind of things in my book and see. um i just appreciate you coming on here where can we find you um shauna i'm gonna pull up <laughs> a couple of things here so that people can um check you out you're at the university of of, of virginia, virginia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. university of virginia and we can and you're in the psychology department there i am i am yes. okay and you're on twitter we're putting up your Twitter handle there. You can follow her at Shauna Leaf S E A N N A Leaf L E A T H. That's for um, those that are listening. Shauna Leaf Ph.D. S E A N N A L E A T H Ph.D. on Twitter, and um, and you don't mind sharing your email address if people want to <laughs> follow your 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 writings. Um, So, and you can find her at Leith U V A university of Virginia at gmail.com, Leith U V A at gmail.com so that you can reach out to her. Listen, look her up, Google her, her writings. I'm telling you, you will be blessed sit down with your daughter, sit down with your girlfriend groups and get some of her articles and let's read them and let's talk about them. As a matter of fact, Shana, if you wouldn't mind, I would love to bring you to the Harmonize Your Life Women's Self-Care Network um, um, and have you have a conversation with us um, in our self-care network. I have a network of women. If you're not a part of the Harmonize Your Life Self-Care Network, come on in Join us there on the self care network. You can go to my website at drtonyalvarado.com. There, you can find the link to join the Harmonize Your Life Women's Self Care Network in China. I w- I'm going to get with you offline and bring you to the network so that you can actually have live conversation with the women in the, um, in, in our, in our zoom meeting, and they can ask you questions and and share things and you can kind of help us map out some stuff. I, maybe we'll take one of your articles, read it together, um, in our self-care network, uh, um, during tea time with Dr. Tony and, um, and we can just delve into it. Yeah. That's what I, that's my support group meeting tea time dr tony is the support group meeting and it's um designed for the women who are members of the self-care network so if you're not a member join because membership has its privileges and um, <laughs> join the self-care network um if you're not if you're looking um, also listen y'all go to my youtube channel and subscribe to my youtube channel i'm on youtube this um, podcast can be viewed on YouTube, every one of my episodes i uploaded there on my YouTube channel. You uh, you can find this podcast on Apple, on Google, um, on Spotify, and you can also find us on YouTube. And I really need to get my YouTube subscribers up, so y'all go there, subscribe to my YouTube channel, so you'll always be able to know when Dr. Tony has. Um, uh, put up a new video or uh, podcast episode for you to uh, watch or listen to. All right. Dr. Uh, Shauna Leith has been our wonderful dialogue partner uh, for us today. And so I appreciate her for being here with us. And I'm just going to say, Dr. Sh- Shana I love you already. 30 years old <laughs> and you are doing it. And I'm you're trying. doing it holistically. God bless you. God, God bless, you,
1: bless you. God bless thank you. Thank you for having me. This was thank
0: excellent. You thank you. Thank you. Listen, we'll see you again next week on uh harmonize your life conversations on self-care for women of color with your host, Dr. Tony G. Alvarado. Mm-hmm. Hi, this is Dr. Tony Alvarado. I am so delighted about bringing the Harmonize Your Life podcast to you. Would you do me a favor? If you are enjoying this this podcast, would you email me at hello at drtonialvarado.com? I want to hear from you. I want your feedback. I want to know if there are any other topics that you are interested in as it relates to wellness, self-care, nutrition, or just overall bringing harmony into your life. Email me, contact me at hello at
1: com.